Well, some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth digging your heels in and standing your ground. Uh, We've all done this, maybe in the face of opposition, uh, people trying to convince you to cave in, but there are some things where we will not budge. This week, Tony Abbott has said that he won't budge from the coalition's asylum seeker policy. He won't change it. Recently, Iran's leader said they will not budge from their nuclear policy. Western countries the world over are calling for change, but no ground is being given. I went to the petrol station, and they wouldn't budge on the price I had to pay. (laughs) People stand their ground over all sorts of things. Uh, For you, it might be absolutely refusing to give your child that seventh helping of ice cream, or not compromising on your integrity at work. There are some things in life where we need to stand our ground and give none. Even when there's lots of pressure to do so, maybe even outright opposition, it's right to stand firm. Friends, that's what our passage is all about this morning. In Ephesians 6, we're told to take our stand. We're under attack, but this is worth fighting for. So we're to take our stand. And what is it exactly that we're to take our stand for? It's for the person sitting beside you. It's for one another. Together, we're to take our stand in Christ, making sure that none of us move on or away from Jesus. Which is actually a little bit different to what we've been seeing over the past four weeks. Hopefully you've noticed all the way through chapters four and five, Paul's been teaching us about our walk in Christ. In chapter 4, we're to walk in a manner worthy of our calling and not walk as the Gentiles do. In chapter 5, we're to walk in love and in light and in wisdom. But here in chapter 6, Paul deliberately changes his imagery to tell us to stand. Because he's reminding us that in terms of us persevering as followers of Christ, it's not about what we do, it's about Christ and what he's done already. And so Paul changes his image from walking to us taking our stand, not moving, not moving on or away from Christ, simply standing firm in what he's already done for us. Now, it's not going to be easy. Uh, There's any number of things that are out there to distract us away from Christ, not least the devil and his schemes. Our struggle to remain together in Christ is a spiritual battle. Chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil. As Paul says in verse 11, the devil has his schemes against us and so we need to take our stand against him. Now in a little bit we're going to think more closely about how we do that. But first we need to know what his schemes are. Because the better we know our enemy, the better we're able to stand our ground. So what are the devil's schemes? Well the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about the devil. Uh, Because the devil's such a small-time player compared to the Lord Jesus. If the devil and Jesus were on the same radar screen, you wouldn't be able to see or hear the minuscule blip that the devil makes compared with the fact that Jesus takes up your entire screen. It's like comparing Mount Everest to an ant, and even that's flattering to the devil. But look, he's out there, he's real, 
He does get some airtime in the Bible, not much. Paul here mentions his schemes, his plans against us. Can we have any idea what they are? Yes, we can. Because Paul's already told us what they are in this letter. So back in chapter 3, we're told that it's a church family united in Christ that displays the wisdom of God to the devil. It's a church family reconciled to God and to one another that shows the victory of God and the defeat of the devil. And so in chapter 4, we're told we are to keep our unity in Christ. It's very precious. And we're to keep our unity by building each other up as we speak the truth of Christ to one another. Which is why Paul, in chapter 4, hopefully you remember this from a couple of weeks ago, says, don't sin in your anger against one another and give the devil a foothold. Sinning against one another in our anger, that's a sure way to tear us apart. And it's the way the devil gets a foot in the door. Satan loves nothing more than to divide a church family against itself to undermine the work of God, to have us bickering and biting against each other in anger, turning one another away from Christ. That's the devil's scheme. And please notice that he just uses normal, routine things like sin and fights and arguments and anger. Forget the movies and the spinning heads and the things being thrown across the room. The devil uses subtle, ordinary means to undermine our unity and draw our attention away from Christ. He wants to lure us away from being united in Christ because it's the church family united in Christ that shouts out the victory of God. It's the church family united in Jesus that enables God's people to persevere in living for him. It's the unity of a church family. That's the great saving work of God for his people. And so in Ephesians, the devil's scheme is to divide a church family. In Christ, God has united us, so the devil's trying to tear us apart and bleed us away from Christ. We're in an evil day. The battle lines have been drawn, and so we need to take our stand. Verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. In the evil day, we're to take our stand. Now, our NIVs are a little unhelpful in this verse because it makes it sound as if there's a future day of evil coming, and we've got to get ourselves ready for that day. But it's not that the day of evil is coming, it's that the day of evil has come. Literally, it reads that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And back in chapter 5, Paul's already said that the days are evil. It's right now that Satan is doing all he can to undermine the saving work of God in Christ. We're, we're in the evil day now. We need to stand firm in Christ now, not enticed or lured or seduced away from our faith in the Lord Jesus. And so together, for each other, we need to take our stand with the armour of God. Verse 13, again. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armour of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God. It's an impressive armour, isn't it? One that's going to keep us perfectly safe from the schemes of the devil. And we really shouldn't be surprised that it's so impressive because, as Paul says, it's the armour of God. This is God's own armour. As we saw back in Isaiah 59, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the spirit, the word, it's all what God cloaks himself in when he comes to save his people. And here in Ephesians, God gives his armour to us to wear. And that's the, very, that's the other thing that's very important to notice about this armour. God gives it to us. He pulls it out of his cupboard, so to speak, and dresses us in it. Because every part of this armour has been already spoken of in the letter. And each time Paul's mentioned this, it's always something that God has done or given to us. So the belt of truth. In chapter 1, it was the word of truth that came to us. And that's how we were included in Christ. The breastplate of righteousness. In chapter 4, we read that God recreated us to be like him in righteousness. Our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. When chapter 2, it's Christ himself who is our peace. Not only between us and God, but between each other. The shield of faith. Chapters 1 and 2, we see that it's God who gives us our faith. The helmet of salvation. In chapters 1 and 2, we read, it's God himself who saves us from his wrath. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. In chapters 2 and 3, we read that God has made his home with us by his spirit. As we heard his word the mystery of the gospel. Everything about this armour, God has provided it. And so putting on the armour of God is not about something we have to do. It's about what God's already done for us. We simply have to avail ourselves of it. Putting on the full armour of God is the same as standing our ground in Christ. It's to remain in his gospel, to remain in his truth, to remain in his salvation, and we're to do it together for each other. Every time Paul says that we're to put on a piece of the armour, he talks to the church family as a whole. In the original, it's all in the plural. It's you church family put on faith and salvation and peace and righteousness. It's very similar to what we've been looking at the last four weeks, that as a church family, we're to see to it that we all stand firm in our faith in Christ. But what's new in this section of Ephesians is Paul wants us to understand that our remaining in Christ together, it's in a spiritual context. We build each other up. We see to it that none of us are ensnared by sin and evil. We do these things not in peaceful times, but in wartime. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the devil and the spiritual forces of evil. Satan is doing all he can to divide us out of Christ instead of seeing us remain united in Christ. His schemes are all designed to fracture us in anger and in sin so that we tear tear ourselves apart and drive each other away from the Lord Jesus. Paul wants us to know that as we each play our part in building each other up in Christ, the devil's going to do all he can to undermine us. And so everything we've been looking at the last four weeks in Ephesians 4 and 5 all the practical things that we can be doing for one another to help each other to keep following Jesus, building each other up, 
Speaking the truth in love to one another, putting off the old self and putting on the new, walking in love towards one another, avoiding sexual immorality, wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents, parents training their children in the Lord. Every single practical thing that Ephesians has taught us about what we can be doing for each other to make sure we all keep following Jesus, it is all in the context of a battle with the devil trying to distract us away from obeying the Lord so that he'll divide us and tear us down and drag us away from the Lord Jesus. So friends, I've got to ask you, as we've gone through these, these chapters in Ephesians, these last four weeks, how have you gone in putting God's word into action? Or have you been, given, been giving the devil some wiggling room in our church family. How seriously did you take God's word to us about all of us speaking the truth in love to one another? How did God's word about not letting any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths affect you? What about when he said that we're to be kind and compassionate and forgiving of each other? When someone from church does you wrong, you're not going to let the puny little devil make inroads among us there, are you? Or when God said in chapters 4 and 5 that we're not to sin in our anger and we're to walk in love towards one another, submitting to your husband, laying down your life for your wife, have you in these last four weeks been putting your faith in God and obeying him to build us up in Christ or have you been giving the devil a foothold? We don't want to give him any room to move in here, do we? Friends, everything in these last three chapters has been about how we can help each other stay Christian while there's flaming arrows firing around our ears. But chapter 6 reminds us that in Christ, the devil's already been defeated. The devil tempts us to sin and then accuses us of our sin, but by his death for us, the Lord Jesus has hurled our sins as far as the east is from the west. And so the devil's been stripped of all his power. And so if we will simply stand our ground in Christ, not moving from him, but trusting that he can save us from sin and judgment, if we will but stand our ground in Christ, then we will stand. We're in a battle, brothers and sisters, a spiritual battle for each other to see that we all stay Christian remaining united in Christ together. And since it's God himself who has done everything for us to see us stand, it's not surprising that Paul finishes off his letter with a call to prayer. Without God, we've got nothing. But in Christ, God has given us everything. And so, of course, we're to pray. We depend upon him. Look at it there in verse 18. Verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. That's a pretty strong call to prayer, I reckon. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, be alert. In other words, be on watch for anything that might threaten you or the people around you. Be on guard and always keep on praying for the saints. Because we live in evil days. The devil's scheming against us, so we're to keep a watch for anything that might threaten anyone standing in Christ and pray for one another. Pray that we'll remain with God's armour on, standing our ground in Christ. 
But we're not just to pray for ourselves. We're to pray for those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus, that they too will come under his protection and salvation. Verse 19. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul here asks the Ephesians to pray for him that he'll fearlessly declare the, the gospel. And like Paul, we too should want others to be set free from the devil, for the people around us to be washed free from sin, for the people of all the world to be saved from the wrath of God Almighty. And so we're to pray for the saving work of God in Christ, that people all over the world will give him their due. People in Africa, people in Vietnam, we're to be praying for the whole world that people will submit to Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. They'll live for his praise and live for his glory. They'll enjoy his love and his grace and his salvation. And we're to pray for these things because it is God alone who can do them. His is the only armour that can protect people from the devil. He's the only one who can save people from sin. There's only one general who can protect people in the face of this battle. Only one doctor with a cure to this sickness, there's only one dad who can make everything all right. And so we're to ask him to save us and everyone. Believe in the power and in the goodness of God. Take your stand in the Lord Jesus and pray because he's the only one that can make anyone stand forgiven and safe with him. In 1518... Spanish man Hernando Cortes had a plan. He wanted to lead an expedition into Mexico and capture its vast treasures. And when he told the Spanish governor his strategy, the governor got so excited that he gave him 11 ships and 700 men. After months of travel, the 11 ships landed in Veracruz in the spring of 1519, and as soon as the men had unloaded the ships, Cortes took his stand. Once the ships were unloaded, he burnt them. He didn't want there to be any turning back for him or his men, and so he removed their only means of escape. This was his cause. This was his mission. He took his stand on capturing the treasures of Mexico. There was to be no turning back or turning away. The Lord Jesus Christ calls on us today to take our stand not on the prospect of flimsy silver or gold and not on the mere possibility of victory. Christ, our commander, calls on us together to take our stand in him and in the victory he's already won, to stand firm in him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, we beg you, give us such a conviction of Jesus Christ, such an appreciation and devotion of him and all that he is and all that he has done, that we would take our stand in him. And Father, we pray that you would give us a deep love for one another, that we would do all that we can to see that we all take our stand in him. Father, we praise you that it's only in him we can be saved, only in him that we can be safe with you. Thank you that in him you have given us everything we need, every spiritual blessing. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. And we're praying, Father, please, that for your praise and your glory, for the honour of your Son, 
we would take our stand in him today and forever. Amen.